This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Hey, this is the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Everything that Tom and myself have been up to on Friday, end of the week, 20th of October. And for the end of the week, we've had a lot of numbers to digest. Now, anecdotally, we've heard from a couple of guests that more companies are looking to buy their own office space in the face of rising rents. Chestertons have put some numbers on that. Andrew Elliott runs their commercial business. He's been in the studio explaining what they're seeing and giving us the data. Meanwhile, we've got Air India saying that it's going to be buying one plane every six days, or at least taking delivery of a plane every six days. Venemra Longani, Indian-based aviation expert, reckons it's actually going to be more. He's been explaining his maths to us and what Air India will look like at the end of this expansion. Yango, meanwhile, a JITEC story for you this morning, is opening a global office here in Dubai. Producer Mohammed Suleiman's been down on a very, very busy Jitex floor, finding out a little bit more. We've been talking aviation. Air India Group have released uh, or unveiled the latest uh, livery logo and colour scheme for the Air India Express. Big event over in India over the last couple of days. Vinamara Longani, uh, aviation expert, joined us a little earlier on. Uh, it wasn't so much the livery and the logo that caught the attention, but rather the delivery uh, of aircraft to Air India. In fact, CEO confirming Air India and taking... Uh, one aircraft every six days, all the way through to the end of 2024. Wanted Vinamra's reaction to that. In addition to the 470 aircraft that were ordered at the Paris Air Show earlier this year, Air India is getting a bunch of other aircraft. Now, these were these are leased aircraft to be inducted as an interim measure because the deliveries, especially the narrow body deliveries from this historic order, start only sometime next year. So, as it stands, uh, between now, well, today and end of 2024. We're looking at approximately, in my opinion, at least 80 aircraft. Aircraft, uh, obviously, one of the elements and the demand for aircraft. But what about uh, value also and a key part of uh, the Air India Express uh, low-cost airline or affordable uh, airline uh, mantra, but also the demand for digital access, be it on the plane and off the plane. Off the plane, uh, making bookings uh, online via the app. Uh, On the plane, people wanting to be connected. What is Air India doing about that? Of course, uh, Air India Express launched a brand new app within an hour of this livery launch. They switched their entire branding. I mean, I flew back on the brand new Max from Bombay to Delhi after the event, which was the first Max flight. And by then, I mean, when I got to Mumbai airport, they switched the branding, you know, the boarding boarding cards had been switched to the new branding. So yes, I think digital is very important. And, uh, and, 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 you know, the Tata group have got uh, Tata consultancy services, which is probably one of the bigger, if not the biggest tech sort of consultancy firms in the world to assist them, among other vendors, I'm sure. Vinarang Longani there, the aviation expert from India to the US. Brandy Scott? Indeed. We've been looking at the jobless claims numbers coming out of the US, the new jobless claims. Uh, Why? Because of the impact that they might have on interest rates, because they tell us about the strength of the labour market. Jean Walters putting that in context for us, economist from Emirates MBD. 
U.S. initial jobless claims data for the week ending 14 October was released yesterday. This measure of the number of new applications for unemployment benefits is keenly watched by economists, as it can be a timely indicator of developments in the U.S. labor market. Yesterday's data was stronger than had been expected and suggests that there is still strength in the labor market, with new claims for unemployment benefits falling to 198,000 from 211,000 the week prior, leaving the measure at its lowest level since January of this year. While there doesn't appear to be much evidence of employees being laid off, there is at the margin potentially some evidence of it taking those that are unemployed longer to find a new job, with the number of continuing unemployment benefit claims rising in the week ending 7 October. The continued strength of the US labour market could pose a risk to the inflation outlook if it feeds through into wages, but we have in fact seen some cooling in annual average weekly earnings growth over the past year. While inflation remains above the Fed's 2% target, it has also come down materially and as such we expect that the Fed funds rate has now peaked and that interest rate cuts will start towards the middle of next year. And that is Jean Walters, economist at Emirates MBD. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast, exclusively on DubaiI1038.com. Right, the telecoms giant Nokia is the latest tech company or tech-related company to announce job losses, up to 14,000 positions to go by the end of 2026. We are crossing live now to Mumbai uh, to speak to Neil Shah. He's a partner and co-founder at the tech-focused Counterpoint Research. Neil, good morning. Thanks for speaking to us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Talk us through why Nokia is making these cuts. The mobile mobile industry, especially the mobile rollout network industry, goes through uh, peaks and troughs. Uh, it goes in cycles. So we were at a very high 5G rollout cycle uh, last couple of years, uh, post-pandemic. And now uh, most of the operators, especially in the key markets for Nokia, like North America, have uh, bought a lot of equipment infrastructure for rolling out and they've already rolled out a lot in terms of 90% population coverage. So what has happened is Nokia has hit, been hit by most of the uh, revenues in North America region, which has almost halved from last year. And last year was actually peak for Nokia in North America region. That has put significant uh, pressure on Nokia with respect to their earnings because their cost base has remained the same. The revenues have gone down. And that has put more pressure uh, to set the cost or operating margins to be improved. Uh, that is why Nokia has planned to lay off uh, its uh, most valuable resources, I would say, but still has to make those difficult decisions and uh, cut down the cost. Is this not something that should have or could have been forecast by Nokia? You look and see, OK, my clients have got all of this equipment. What do we do next? Yeah, I think uh, what has happened is uh, when uh, mobile operators give orders for rolling out 5G, they're pretty aggressive. Oh, we'll, uh, okay, we want these many in- infrastructure equipment and we'll roll out with this much coverage and so forth. But with now cooling macroeconomic uh, conditions, right? Uh, and uh, also uh, operators are still struggling to make money out of 5G networks. So they have taken a pause and just digesting the existing inventory and rolling out uh, the infrastructure at a slower pace than what they forecasted. And that has not been particularly uh, communicated well to the, its infrastructure partners that, okay, the orders will not uh, keep on coming at the same pace. And that is how I think it's more of a knee-jerk reaction 
with the macroeconomic environment. Let's look at that macroeconomic environment in a little bit more detail because there's a couple of trends going on here. Let's start with, as you say, higher interest rates, um, inflation, uh, customers, whether personal or corporate, worried about the cost of living and the cost of doing business. Is this something that we could see in other areas of the tech space? Absolutely. Uh, I think it will affect uh, wherever you have substantial investments uh, with respect to I would say uh, infrastructure, uh, especially in tech, where we have seen a lot of in, in, uh, increase in cloud computing, for example, and servers for the last couple of years, because everyone thought, okay, post pandemic, there will be always a new normal where everyone will use more and more of their phones, more and more digital properties, OTTs, and so forth. And everyone expanded, like Facebook, uh, Microsoft. Uh, Google, everyone expanded a lot in terms of their earning uh, in, uh, to match their earnings and their forecast that this is a new normal. And you saw the layoffs at Facebook over the last uh, three quarters, layoffs at Google, layoffs at Microsoft, right? And this is happening uh, across the sectors where you see these bigger players, which have uh, even Amazon, Amazon right? Uh, they have also shedded a uh, lot of stuff. And they have over-invested, uh, considering post-pandemic there will be a new normal. And uh, these big giants are the bigger, the most one who are facing these particular cuts. Yeah, and that is certainly the rationale that we've heard for, I mean, we've had a couple of waves of tech layoffs now, haven't we, over the last year or so, that tech companies staffed up during the pandemic due to the extra need for technology um, and are now letting people go. Uh, Qualcomm is one of the latest as well as LinkedIn um, to announce job cuts. Are we finished or are there still more to come, do you think? I think uh, next uh, two years would be everyone getting leaner in terms of the operations and waiting for the next wave, which could be for network infrastructure. It could be like 5.5G or 6G, like what we saw Huawei uh, showed at their mobile broadband forum in uh, Dubai. Uh, last week, uh, on uh, they're announcing the rollout of 5.5G with key Middle Eastern operators, right? Uh, so I think we'll see next wave of 5.5G rollout, maybe starting 2025, 2026. Uh, until then, I would say uh, everyone will keep the cost at minimum and try to be leaner. Uh, and similarly, once you have a new newer network rollout like 5.5G or 6G, you will see new use cases coming up. And to support those new use cases, uh, uh, on autonomous driving, on uh, uh, NTN, which is uh, terrestrial networks along with uh, satellite. All those kind of new use cases, you will see again new infrastructure, new investments from operators. And I, that is why I said at the start, it goes in cycles and we'll, we'll have a small pause for next two to three years. Neil, no shortage of phones being used in India at the moment. I can see you're a Cars fan. I can see that you're a Marvel fan as well, judging by your bookcase behind. I'm not sure if you're a cricket fan, but I'm sure you can't help be, be wrapped up in uh, the excitement over in India at the moment. India still unbeaten in the home World Cup. What's the atmosphere like? Uh, it's quite electric, uh, electrifying atmosphere. And uh, as you know, the cricket is the religion over here uh, rather than just a sport. And uh, if India does well in its home market, uh, obviously, uh, it's it's a big thing. Uh, but obviously, uh, looking forward to uh, other players also making some upsets and making it more interesting with respect to enjoy uh, that all the matches. Enjoy that unbeaten tag. The rest of us don't have it, unless you're a Kiwi, that is. You know, <laughs> it's you and Brandy, the Kiwi and the Indy, the only unbeaten teams left in the, in the Cricket World Cup. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you Absolutely. so much for joining us this morning. Neil Shah is a partner and co-founder at the tech-focused CounterPoint Research, putting a little bit of context around those job losses that have been announced for Nokia, up to 14,000 positions to go. Catch up on the business headlines with the Bite Size Business Breakfast. Putting some numbers on a trend this morning. We have heard anecdotally from a couple of people here on the Business Breakfast that we are seeing more companies looking to buy their own commercial space in the face of rising rents. That's if they can. Well, we've got a man in this morning who's going to put some figures on that. Chesterton's has been looking at the first nine months of this year, which has seen commercial rents up by as much as 36% in some areas, and that is mainly offices, and sales price up nearly 30%, depending on where you are in town. Andrew Elliott is Director of the Commercial Agency for Chesterton's in this region. Andrew, it's lovely to have you. Good morning. Good morning, Brandy. How are you? I'm well, but then I'm not having to pay the rent on this place, tell me, office spaces are rising in terms of rent. We're seeing the biggest rise and why? At the moment, I think we've seen the biggest rises in the freehold areas. Jamira Lake Towers, uh, Business Bay are the two main areas. Um, a lot of that driven by uh, licensing. Obviously, JLT is a DMCC free zone. And then Business Bay comes under what we call the DED or LLC trade license. Why are the rents rising at all? At the moment, I think post-pandemic, we've had a huge amount of companies arrive. I think with the geopolitical, and I'll steal your word from just now, um, what's going on in the world at the moment. A lot of companies have based themselves here, chosen to move to this part of the world. um, And that's obviously driven um, office space rents up, which has in turn driven sales prices up as well. Yeah, I'm looking at some of these rental rise, 36% up for JLT that you mentioned there, Business Bay up by about 34% uh, year on year for rents. Remind us what the law actually says about what landlords can raise these so rents by. So we fall the same, uh, under the same lines as the rear rental index calculator. The other thing that we do have in the commercial market is rents are also held by the, if tenants have actually signed multi-year leases. So you're in the position then that the um, rental index calculator or the break lease can only be applied at the end of that contract. Does that apply for all the free zones? It does indeed, yeah. Um, You typically find that a lot of commercial properties will sign longer-term leases, so they fix themselves in. But unfortunately, yes, the rents do line with the rear rental index calculator. Can companies find the space that they want to rent? At the moment, um, it's very difficult. Um, Companies come to us with very specific requirements, and finding that available space in the market is quite difficult. We're finding that the larger size spaces are all occupied these days, and finding big spaces available at the moment is quite difficult. Your report mentions the potential threat of eviction. Potential or are you seeing it? Um, we do see, same as you do in residential, where landlords are obviously trying to sell their property. Some of the people have, or some of the landlords have bought in at different stages of the market. They now see it as a good opportunity to um, sell their property. They may have had a tenant that's been sitting in the property for three years or four years. So they're on pre-pandemic or just after the COVID pandemic um, rates and landlords are now sitting there going I need to give them vacating notice because now's my opportunity to sell or exit this investment. But presumably you can't give someone a vacating notice and say that you're going to move in so. Um, We have had a couple of cases like that where companies um, maybe bought a full floor of office space they've used five or fifty percent of that office space they've then basically been in a position that they've kicked out tenants because they've required to grow themselves so unfortunately yes I've had landlords turn around and say we'll only sign a one-year lease because potentially we're going to need that space in a year's time if the market continues as it is.
Do we have anyone paying fast and loose with their reasons for eviction as we do in residential? Um, not as much. You tend to find that commercial landlords are a little bit more sophisticated. They're not looking for the fast buck. They tend to be in it for the longer term. You also tend to find that obviously tenants have done huge fit outs, so they'll tend to sign the longer term contracts and not be in a position that they are looking to be kicked out every sort of 12 months. Okay, which brings us to sales. We've heard anecdotally from others that more companies are looking to buy their own office spaces and you guys have been able to put some numbers on that. Definitely. Um, I think if you look at a lot of um, companies that are based in the region, you tend to find that there are a lot of family offices. They've typically gone to buy their office space. You also tend to find that the big multinationals don't look at buying, so they will continue leasing. But small, per, uh, privately owned, sometimes you'll get the owner of the company buy the office space, knowing he can then lease it back to his own company and then obviously mitigate any risks of rapid re rent increases. Yeah, well, as, as well as the rise in the sales prices that I'm looking at here in your report, you've also got a rise in the number of transactions that you're, you're doing largely Correct. for office space, up nearly a third compared to the same time last year. And I think that's also driven a little bit by the fact that we've had such a shortage of office space. And I think a lot of investors have been piling into the residential market are now starting to realise that actually we've missed an opportunity here in the commercial market. And I think the fact that we've had no new or no real new stock coming into the market, we've had the ICD Brookfield come in, that's pretty much occupied now. We're now in a position that there's no other new office space coming into the market over the next sort of couple of years. And I think a lot of investors are looking at this thinking there's an opportunity to buy office space, maybe renovate it, rent it out on a long-term lease and look at the yields that they'll get in a couple of years' time. What do people actually want from their office space? I mean, there's the mention of parking in your report as well. Parking's always been a big shortage. Um, accessibility to metro lines is becoming a very popular one. And I think generally people still haven't on the commercial side moved away from the Shakeside Corridor or Shakeside Road Corridor, you tend to find that most of our commercial is concentrated on that. So now it's becoming accessibility and then obviously parking's a big thing as well. Parking enough to make or break whether someone leases or buys? Um, parking doesn't really make a difference there because you typically find that most of the offices that are for sale are in the freehold areas and they're dictated to by how many office space you actually buy to how many car parks you get. If you go into some of the free zones, they dictate by how much square footage you've got um, to how many parkings you get. Okay, so if we're getting full along that Shakeside corridor, where to next? Um, I think you're starting to see people look at secondary locations or even third. I know Deera was very empty sort of two, three years ago. That's filled up a lot. People are looking at places like Motor City where there's a little bit of office space. People are even looking at now at Dubai Investment Park. Buildings in Silicon Oasis are starting to fill out where people aren't able to find the prices that they can afford on the main corridor. They've now been pushed further out of the city. And what does that mean for the setting up of support businesses? Um, and I, again, I start to look at that and start thinking, do people start looking at maybe moving to another emirate? Do they start looking at the fringes, i.e. Sharjah, and thinking, do we operate from there as we can obviously afford the rents? But at the moment in Dubai, honestly, finding good office space available is very difficult. Oh, we've been talking a little bit about remote work this morning, Elon Musk comparing it to the French Revolution, as you do. Um, the fact that we are so pressed for office space, does it show us that we are all back in the office? 
Um, I think Dubai went back to the office very quickly um, post-pandemic, and I don't think a lot of companies around the world have still have this work-from-home um, ability. Dubai, I don't think we've had that big a work-from-home ability. I know a lot of my friends, they, they get a little bit of flexibility where maybe Friday afternoons they can work from home or maybe one other day of the week. But by in general, most people are back in the office. I mean, my office is in Marina Plaza. We've just taken an extra office um, in there. And the elevators are packed at the moment. The corridors are packed. The car parking's packed. And you sort of look at that and think there just is no space available. 30 seconds left with you. What's the split that you and your agents are dealing with between companies that are already here and new companies coming in? At the moment, um, probably around 80% of our clients are based in Dubai already. Most of them are predominantly looking for expansion and not able to find the space, i.e. the office next door to them. They're now in a position that they're having to look at another office within the building space. Andrew Elliott is Director of the Commercial Agency at Chesterton's for this region, coming in this morning um, and putting some numbers on what we are seeing when it comes to rising office rents up by as much 36% depending on where you are and rising sales prices up by as much as 30%. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Thank you. Jitex Global. The biggest tech event in 2023 comes to a conclusion. Today is the final day of Jitex Global down at the Dubai World Trade Centre. The North Star event uh, has been and gone, but one day left, one last hurrah for Jitex Global uh, down at the World Trade Centre. Yango uh, is one of the brands that is exhibiting down there. They're set to open a new global operational office here in Dubai Internet City. Uh, The ride-hailing firm announcing the plans to open this new operational office right here in Dubai later on this year. Our producer, Mohamed Suleiman, has been down to Jitex Global where he caught up with Yango's Chief Business Development Officer. Hey guys, I'm down here at Jitex Global. I'm joined by Edeni Edebayor, who is the Chief Business Officer at the ride-hailing firm uh, Yango. Edebe, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much, and thank you very much for having me. So it's been about a year since you guys have entered the UAE market. Yes. Um, how has it been for you guys since then? Uh, we've been astonished by the, uh, the success we've seen on the market. We're very happy to be here. Um, Dubai is one of the frontier places when it comes to digitalization of, uh, of transportation. And we're very happy to be part of that revolution, um, not only because uh, we want to be able to bring our technologies to Dubai, but as well because we want to be able to learn. Um, and what do I mean by learning, right? Um, one of the interesting things that we've seen, we operate in more than 24 countries across the world, is there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas, right? So some of the ideas that we have in Cote d'Ivoire has been implemented here in Dubai. Some of the ideas we have here in Dubai has been implemented in Peru. Uh, some of those ideas have been implemented in Pakistan and so on and so forth. So what we really love about this space is the fact that we work with local transportation companies and we're able to generate and co-create new solutions around mobility and around digitizing the, mobile, uh, the, the transportation space. And we're very happy about that. And that's one of the I'd say one of the interesting things about Dubai and the fact that Jitex is happening here is also a testament to that innovation that happens here. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, what, what makes Dubai different as a market uh, when it comes to using tech, when it comes to using the latest sort of AI yeah. in terms of what you guys do? So uh, when you think about how our cities are built, the cities are built around transportation infrastructure. And uh, a city like Dubai, fairly, 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 very, very dynamic in the sense of how transportation has evolved here. And because of that, what happens is that a lot of new solutions can then happen in all of this cross-pollination because you're still, it's a growing city. The city is still not there completely in the sense that it is continuously every year improving. 
And when you have that, you have a lot of new ideas that have been generated at the nexus of what you're creating for the next time, right? Uh, and that makes Dubai a very unique place uh, in terms of uh, the amount of people that come here, the airport that is here, the, uh, just the sheer amount of foreigners, for example, that intermingle here. So the amount of ideas that you can generate around the nexus of what can we do better and what can we do differently is a lot, right? From uh, how we intelligently predict route and like map different uh, things across the city to the fact that you know the way we do addressing systems, I mean, across the world is sort of a little different from the way addressing system is done here. So all of that provides you a lot of opportunities to be able to learn and to be able to like deploy better solutions. I'll give you a very simple example. When you go to Africa or you go to some other places around the world, so you don't have like a European addressing system. You have something slightly different than that. So people talk about, this is the area where I live, and then I know that my house is like number, uh, it's the third one on the left when you take the first right, right? And when you come to Dubai, you have a completely different story in terms of the addressing system, right? By just applying that understanding of, okay, we can have things tied to points of interest in the region, and I can map people to that point of interest to be able to map and route them to where they need to be, right? That gives you a, a completely different idea of how you're supposed to build a product for other countries and other markets. And that's one of the things that we love about Dubai. Fantastic. Um, very quickly, let's talk about AI. Yes. Um, how are you guys using AI to better serve your customers to get people around from point A to point B quicker and more efficiently? So, there, there is a lot of buzz around AI, and so I, I do understand. I mean, especially with uh, the advent of open, uh, open AI and all of the, uh, uh, I would say, generative AIs that we have recently, one of the things that we've sort of applied uh, internally is to sort of use the history of the things that you've done with us on the platform to be able to predict your next move. So if I wake up in the morning and I've always gone from my house to the office, I don't need to be able to, I mean, I don't need to sort of put in my office address one more time, right? So, so the system can automatically predict that, you know, typically, Adenia wakes up at 9 a.m. and Kit picks up his Yango and like clicks, uh, I'm going to Dubai One Central, right? So exactly those kind of scenarios where we can sort of use data to predict and help you optimize and have more efficient uh, user experience. Those are the places that we, where we use AI. We also use AI in terms of how we monitor uh, driver behavior, for example. So I know, for example, what is the, I mean, I have, there's a phone in the car, you, it can you know, estimate what is the speed at which your driver is going, you understand you know, when he's over speeding or like the driving style is a little bit changing, and you can give him corrective predictive analytics, both to the you know, local companies and the transportation, transportation companies that are working with us, and also to the drivers. You can tell him you know, uh, your driving style has sort of like you know, uh, been poor for the last uh, couple of days, right? Maybe you need to sort of take a test again, and so on and so forth. So we use a lot of analytics and a lot of predictive analytics in terms of uh, uh, generating automatic feedback loop for both users and drivers, while at the same time using that to enrich the experiences that people have. So okay. if you don't have to spend a lot of time you know, doing certain things. Okay. Yeah. Finally, uh, 30 seconds um, expansion for Yango. What can you tell us about where you guys are going next and what you're working on? Um, we're very happy with, uh, uh, with the region, so we definitely want to be in other parts of the region. We're very happy uh, with the UAE, we want to be uh, in other uh, Emirates for sure. Um, and uh, as we sort of roll out this uh, plant, definitely we'll be more than happy to share with you. But today, we're very happy with what we're seeing in Dubai. Super. Thank you. Edwin Bayo is the Chief Business Officer of Yango. Thank you for, so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Super. Back over to you guys. Thanks, Mo. Exactly what he said. Yeah, catching up with the team from Yango, just one of a number of international brands uh, who are here in Dubai and will be for one day more. Not just one day only. They've been here the entire week uh, taking advantage of Ditex Global, which has grown and grown and grown. Just the highlights. This is the Bite Size Business Breakfast.
You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to dubaieye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.